Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here's your host, Price Atkinson. Oh, man, what a game last Saturday in Ann Arbor. It was a thriller down to the wire. Welcome into Yards and Stripes. I'm your host, Price Atkinson. This is your home for Service Academy football. Thank you to everybody that is listening right now, wherever you are here around the country, around the globe. What a football game we watched transpire last Saturday as Army took number seven Michigan to the brink. But unfortunately, our Black Knights came up just a little short once again in overtime, nearly knocking off another top-ranked team. This time, last year it was Oklahoma, this time Michigan. We will get into that, recap the action. We will also look ahead to all three teams back in action this coming weekend. Certainly we'll close with our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll, the final segment of every podcast like we do in our featured guest interview this week. Trent Steelman, the former Army starting quarterback, is a four-year starter, 2013 graduate of the United States Military Academy, now assistant coach and offensive coordinator with the Jacksonville University Dolphins, playing out of the Pioneer Football League, as he is now a college football assistant coach and aspiring for greater things. I had a great conversation with him. I cannot wait to bring that one to you. And also I want to tell everybody, thanks for bearing with me, is this episode is a little late yet getting out this week. I had a little bit of technical difficulties on a few things, but back up and running and able to get this episode out. So appreciate your patience. Again, we will not um, we will not spend a whole lot of time on last week's game. I know certainly Army fans don't want to relive much of the hurt, but uh, we will turn the page and look ahead more to what is coming up this Saturday as, again, all three teams are in action. But before we do that, we do need to look back to what transpired the thriller in Ann Arbor last Saturday afternoon. For the second straight season, the Army Black Knights hit the road against another top 10 opponent. And unfortunately, for the second straight season, the Black Knights come up just short. This went a double overtime thriller. 24-21 is the number 7 Michigan Wolverines escape the Black Knights. It was an absolute thriller that captivated the nation as the game kicked off at noon. And there's a lot of 3.30 games Eastern Standard Time, we're kicking off. Folks around the country were glued to the conclusion of this one as Michigan gets a turnover to preserve the double double overtime victory in a game that both teams turned the football over three times. <clears throat> Maybe the most costly of them all was a Kelvin Hopkins interception at the goal line as Army was inside the Michigan five. Army comes away without any points there in the third quarter. A costly, costly turnover. But Michigan would say the same thing as they had several miscues on the afternoon. But let's get to it. Tell you all about how it went down on Saturday afternoon in Ann Arbor. The Michigan Wolverines, they get the ball. They drive to the Army 28-yard line before the first of their three turnovers on the day. Eric Smith forcing uh, the fumble. And Shea Patterson puts it on the ground. Boy, Army makes them pay. The Black Knights go 10 plays, 60 yards, and 5 minutes, 12 seconds capped off by Sandon McCoy. One-yard touchdown run, putting Army on the board, 7 to nothing. The Wolverines then come back, and they get a touchdown of their own to tie the score on the very next drive. 
a Zach Charbonnet two-yard touchdown run, capping an 11-play 70-yard drive as that game now goes tied. But Army puts the ball on the ground. Uh, Kel Walker fumbles it at the Army 21-yard line. Michigan recovers, but Elijah Riley comes up with a big play on Michigan's first play from the Army 21, forcing another Shea Patterson fumble. Army recovers. They end up having to punt the football back to Michigan. And then it's the Army defense standing tall yet again, especially in this first half, forcing another Michigan turnover. Here's how it sounded on the Army radio network. Play-by-play voice Rich DeMarco on the call. Out of the shotgun here on first and ten. And it's a handoff. Van Sumeren off right tackle. Runs into a wall of black knights. Fumble the ball. Army signaling they have it. And they do. It's Cam Jones coming out of the pack with it. Army forces yet another Michigan turnover. First and goal from the Michigan one-yard line. Slomka inches up near Hopkins. A push play on the quarterback sneak. Waiting for a signal from the officials. Did Kelvin get in? Bodies coming off the pile. We're waiting if Hopkins did, in fact, get in the end zone. He did! Touchdown, Army! You heard it right there, the audio courtesy of the Army Radio Network, Cole Christensen forcing that fumble that Cam Jones came up with, followed by the touchdown run from one yard out by Kelvin Hopkins, Jr. Army would hold. The two teams would go to the half uh, with Army ahead, 14-7. to Army gets another uh, turnover there. Uh, excuse me, it was the Army turnover in the third quarter. As I mentioned just a few minutes ago, that costly Army's first possession after they hold Michigan to three and out. The Black Knights take over at their own 35, and they drive it all the way inside the Michigan five. But on third and goal, Kelvin Hopkins Jr. is intercepted at the goal line by Lavert Hill. They re- he returns at 20 yards as Michigan then cashes it in on the next drive. 12 plays, 78 yards as the game then goes tied 14-14. to 14. That would end the, re- the game in regulation as the missed field goal. Army having a chance, a 50-yarder by Cole Talley on the final snap of regulation. He misses the 50-yard field goal. It was a little bit short, and it was wide to the right forcing overtime. Army gets the ball first, and they cash in, and they get a touchdown, a six-yard Kelvin Hopkins Jr. run to go ahead set or to go ahead 21-14 to after the first overtime. Michigan responds, forcing a second overtime. Zach Charbonnet, a three-yard touchdown run to make it 21-21, a nervous house at the big house. Michigan uh, on the next drive. Uh, They will take over, but they are held. The Army defense stands tall. They settle for a a, a field goal to make it 24-21, the first time Michigan led the entire football game. Army with a chance to go ahead and escape with a victory, but they cannot find the back of the end zone. A two-yard Kelvin Hopkins Jr. run, then he loses three yards on the next play. Army calls timeout, then on third and 11, Hopkins Jr. back to pass, is sacked, ball comes loose, it's recovered by Micah Pay, and Michigan preserves a victory. They survive, and I say survive because that's exactly what Jim Harbaugh's team did after the game. Here's what the Michigan coach had to say after his team survived the Black Knights in a double overtime thriller 24-21. 
Well, first, uh, like I told the team, I mean, that's how you fight. That's how you, that's how you uh, scratch and claw, and uh, both teams did that. I was very impressed with both both squads, um, but our team, the way uh, they're the way they hung in there, and they had their courage, their resilience, you know, their their sharpness of mind. Um, thought that that seems to be at a, at a little bit higher level this year with this ball club, and happy about that. That's uh, sometimes you got to fight like that. You heard Jim Harbaugh right there. Let's hear from Jeff Munkin talking with Fox Sports right after the game on the field. So proud of his team. But as he mentioned, there were no moral victories. His team came to compete and came to win. I'm, I'm just incredibly proud of our, our players. They, they came into this game with the expectation to win. And, uh, you know, our superintendent, General Williams, our, our former superintendent, General Caslin, always said when, when the American people put boots on the ground, they expect to win. And that's just the heart of the American soldier right there. Those guys are going to fight. And uh, everybody that watched this, I, I, I hope it was a great representation of our United States Army and the grit and the toughness and the determination they have in the face of the enemy. And, and, uh, and I, I, I'm just so proud of our team. We made mistakes, some things that we could have controlled that probably cost us the game. And those are the things that are going to hurt the most. But uh, we had some chances and, and credit Michigan. They got a great team well-coached, and they made the plays that counted to beat us. Coach Munkin so proud of his team and the pride he walked off the field for the United States Army. Certainly everybody was proud, I think, watching around the country as that near upset almost comes to fruition for a second straight time. But now uh, Army, they will be favored, I think, in every single game they play the rest of the way. Time will tell, but we will find out. But we'll find out now is what we got to do in giving out our weekly game ball. Ball first and 10 from the Army 21 on the left half. Shea Patterson had a shotgun. Army bringing pressure. <laughs> Patterson is stripped. Army recovers at the 28-yard line. With the strip, it was Elijah Riley. He recovers the football, and Army turns Michigan over right back. That audio courtesy of the Army Radio Network. Rich DeMarco again on the call there is Elijah Riley stripping Michigan quarterback Shea Patterson. A big turnover there early in the football game after Kel Walker had just put the ball on the ground at the Army 21-yard line. Michigan taking over in business, game-tied 7-all until Elijah Riley on the very first play of that drive. Stripped Shea Patterson, gets credit for the sack recovers the ball. Army ends up having to punt the football, but it really saved at minimum a field goal right there and kept the game tied. But Elijah Riley with a team high, 13 tackles, nine of which were solo in the game, had two sacks, including that forced fumble. Elijah Riley, the senior out of Port Jefferson, New York, the defensive back who just continues to make plays for this Army defense. He is our game ball winner for this week as Army comes up short. Double overtime thriller to the Michigan Wolverines. All right, when we come back, turning the page, we're going to get ready for our feature guest interview this week, Trent Steelman, the former Army starting quarterback. What did he think of the game this past weekend as he's now an assistant coach with the Jacksonville University Dolphins, the offensive coordinator there. They were off last week, so he 
had a front row seat to watch it on the tube, and he tells us what he thought and his pride in the Black Knights and a whole lot more about his career, coaching career, uh, having the opportunity to serve in the Army, play briefly for the Baltimore Ravens, and so much more. That's Trent Steelman coming up next right here on Yards and Stripes. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here again is Price Atkinson. All right, welcome back in to Yards and Stripes, Service Academy football. Once again, I'm your host, Price Atkinson, and excited to be joined by one of the most prolific former Army Black Knights of all time, former quarterback Trent Steelman himself, now assistant coach, offensive coordinator with the Jacksonville Dolphins down uh, in sunny Jacksonville, Florida. But Trent, man, it's great to have you on here, Yards and Stripes, for the very first time to talk a lot, a lot about what you're doing now, you know, how you got there, and certainly your time back in West Point, man. Welcome into Yards and Stripes. Well, I think, thank you for having me. It's an honor being on the show. And, uh, you know, anytime we get to reflect on my time at West Point and, and the great game of football and, and the service of of our country, it's always a pleasure. Well, it's it's a pleasure to have you. And, you know, as uh, you mentioned just at the outset, obviously, certainly we, everybody knows you played at, at West Point. But, I mean, now, uh, now a coach at, at Jacksonville, you served, uh, you know, the country, uh, obviously your time uh, – you know, balancing uh, serving while while getting the opportunity to play a little while for the Baltimore Ravens. But I guess really just start, tell us how you got into this coaching gig, because I know, I think I read where you may have done some commercial real estate for a very brief time before you said, <laughs> oh, that's not for me. I think I might want to go coach. Yeah, um, it's such a small world and it's, it's kind of crazy. How everything comes full circle and many of the uh, the, the guys in the, the coaching profession understand it's a small world and it's a tight knit community. Um, and, and to be honest, as a player, I never envisioned myself being a coach. I knew once my military time was done and, and my aspirations to play football at the highest level were done, I wanted to be involved in sports in some capacity because, um, I mean, that's what made me who I am today um, and gave me the opportunities that I was fortunate to have. But Coaching was never really at the top of my list. Um, and then um, when it was all said and done in terms of my time in the military and my pursuit uh, to play football at the highest level, uh, I found myself uh, facing the real world, uh, working commercial real estate in, in downtown Atlanta, sending an hour and a half of traffic every day. <laughs> and I soon realized that that was not for me. Um, so um, I was fortunate enough to, to get a call um, really probably about two or three months into the job I had just taken as a commercial real estate agent um, from Coach Shields, who was my offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at Army, mm-hmm. uh, informing me he had just gotten a job um, as a head coach of Jacksonville University and, and offered me a, uh, an opportunity to come coach. And like I said, I knew I wanted to be around sports, um, so I figured I'd give it a try, but um, I love it. I mean, it, it's definitely what I want to do um, for my career and for my profession. And like I said, anytime I get the chance to give back to to guys um, or to, to the guys that I was once standing in their shoes, it's an opportunity and it's a blessing. 
As we continue with Trent Steelman, 2013 graduate of West Point, now the offensive coordinator at Jacksonville University uh, there in Florida. And, is, you know, you were, uh, what, one of the only the only freshman four-year starter in, in modern football history when it comes to Army West Point and, and certainly playing in that run-oriented offense, first all-time at Army um, in career rushing touchdowns, 45, third all-time in rushing yards, period, at over 3,300. I mean, you played under Coach Rich Ellerson, which was more of a – a run first offense. So how do you, how do is what you're doing now as an offensive coordinator and developing philosophies? How much influence say, you know, by what you played in, even going back to as far as high school when during your days in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and then obviously, you know, there at West Point for Coach Ellerson? Uh well it's huge. It, it's huge. And just being in the offense and playing quarterback in this offense, you understand that it, it's a different mentality and it's a different mindset. Uh, in terms of what you're looking for when you recruit guys, when you're finding guys to, to play their role as a quarterback and as a feedback in this offense, it, it possesses a different mentality and really a, a type of physical toughness that you're not going to find in every single player. And so what the offense does, and like I said, it's made me who I am today, it teaches you a lot about yourself in terms of – where your mental breaking point is, um, mm-hmm. like I said, from a, a mentality and from a physical standpoint, um, but also how well you can handle adversity. Um, because when you're taking hit after hit after hit, you're going to learn a lot about yourself and what you're capable of doing and how you can fight through that adversity and continue the mission. Yeah, as we continue with Trent Steelman, you can follow him on Twitter at Trent underscore Steelman is the Dolphins, his Jacksonville Dolphins, getting ready to come up to Clinton, South Carolina to take on uh, the Presbyterian Blue Hose and they're playing out of the Pioneer Football League, uh, does JU. And, you know, is, is your, you know, really just at the, you know, your budding coaching career, I mean, what kind of coaching goals and aspirations do you have, Trent? I mean, obviously most people want to be a head coach at some point. I would assume that's probably part of the goals there and uh, to want to, you know, develop and hone this craft now that you've chosen for a career. Yeah, um, really, it's just it's a it's a day to day opportunity for me in terms of having the opportunity to be around football and, and do what I love. Um, I, I take every day as a blessing, and you know I, I continue to emphasize to myself until my and tell myself um, one, it's a process, and you got to learn to embrace the grind, and then two, you just got to make the big time where you're at, no matter if it's at the lowest level or at the highest level, you got to make the big time where you're at because if you're constantly um, looking towards the end goal and towards the big picture, you'll find yourself taken away from the job at hand. And so for me, um, I take every opportunity as it comes, but this is the opportunity I have in front of me and I love what I do. I love who I work for and the guys I'm around. I love Mm -hmm. the guys I coach. And so that's my mindset and I stay I stay grounded in what I do because I know um, just my blue collar mentality um, in terms of you know having zero offers out of high school and kind of making a career for myself and a name for myself through my college career I know it starts with hard work and it starts with dedication and that's the message I got to continue to to remind myself and then also uh, reciprocate to the guys that I coach and I mentor on a daily basis. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think anybody who gets in the profession obviously has the the end goal and the long-term goal of being a head coach at a big-time school. Um, and if, for me, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, 
at the end of the day, I know I'm doing what I love and I have the chance to impact these kids and change their lives. And that's what I'm enjoying doing right now. I'm curious uh, what your favorite thing is about coaching in, in Jacksonville and North Florida, you know, fishing, uh, good seafood, you know, obviously coming from Bowling Green, Kentucky, the western part of the state, then playing up in, you know, uh, up in New York and, you know, spending some time with the Baltimore Ravens as a wide receiver after you graduated and, but but getting to to take in and coach, you know, in such a beautiful town in Jacksonville. So I'm yeah. curious what maybe what some of those favorite things you got, and how in the world a West Point grad can handle all those Navy guys that are stationed out <laughs> at uh, Naval Station Jacksonville and Naval Station Mayport down the area. How in the world do you, do you stay in those guys? Yeah, well, sometimes <laughs> in life you just got to be able to swallow your pride a little bit. And so when you're surrounded by a bunch of Navy guys, you got no choice. But um, no, I mean, I, any any person that devotes their life to that selfless service, I have the utmost respect for. Yeah. But really, it's I, I like to call it the hidden gem of Florida because when you think about Jacksonville, you think about you know an inner city, a metro city. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars, but you never really picture Jacksonville until you live here, being on the beach and and being in the area that it is. And so, like I said. You know, a lot of the times when we when we would vacation um, in my early childhood, you'd always go, you know, to the Panhandle or you go to the Gulf. But um, Jacksonville, it, it, it is the gem of, of Florida in terms of the beaches. I mean, there's it's not very touristy. Yep. The beaches are, are very nice and very clean, and you still get that small town feeling. So, like I said, there's a lot of great things going on here in Jacksonville. Um, not only from a location standpoint, but from a school standpoint, we have a, a private school with a great education and, and a quality education. and We love to win just like everybody else. All right, uh, Trent, I want to go back just real quick to your, uh, you know, to, to your time at West Point and, you know, how, how you got there because some kids, you know, you, you get that service academy, uh, you know, you get the uh, the offer and chance to play and, um, mm-hmm. you know, some it's an easy decision. They've known all their life. You know, you, you're right. from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Was it an easy decision for you? Because obviously you get there and I mean, you take off literally running from the day pretty much you arrive because, I mean, you're a starting quarterback at a D1 college football program as a true freshman correct and the person you just described mm-hmm. i was actually the exact opposite okay i i <laughs> i have a family that have served and my uncle was a lifer um in the army my, my grandfather was a, was a lifer in the air force mm-hmm. um but for me i i really had no aspirations um, to join the military and really what led me to west point um was one just kind of having a background in the option offense and uh-huh. in terms of my, my dad's head coach at Appalachia State was Fisher DeBerry, yep. who we know as a legend um, at Air Force. Yep. Um, and then two, um, for me, it was just, it was faith and a lot of hard work and, and just trust in the process because, like I said, Army was my only offer and it didn't happen yep. until early March. Mm-hmm. And so the first time I had stepped on campus at West Point was actually for their spring game um, in late March. So it, it was kind of, in my opinion, how it all unfolded in a short amount of time. But like I said, I believe in his plan, and that's the plan he had for me. And sure enough, I had the opportunity, and I was a prep schooler. Um, wasn't the smartest kid in the world. Um, had good grades, not a great test score, but the prep school allowed me to come in and get a feel for the military lifestyle and, and have some structure in my life and some discipline and, and still play football and grow and develop from that standpoint. 
Um, and that year I had a great year at the prep school and, and it was really a tr- tough transition because, um, leaving the prep school, um, that's when army had just had a staff turnover. So, uh, coach Brock, which was the staff that I recruited me yep. left. And then that's where coach Ellerson and coach Shields came in and took over. Um, so they came in and assured me I'd have a chance to go up there and compete. And, and I knew I'd have to go earn it and was blessed with that opportunity. You know, you were with Coach Ellerson pretty much every single step of the way, uh, mm-hmm. you know, during his time. And, you know, I know that, you know, some guys, I know there were some tough years. Um, there you, was. Know, the, you talk about adversity, and I want to ask you about one thing of adversity uh, here in just a second. But, you know, the I, I guess really the way that you look at it now with Army having some success, you know, under Coach Monk and just achieving some things that really, you know, first time, uh, you know, rarefied air, if you will, kind of in, in Army yeah. football history the last couple of years. Do you see yourself as, as one of those guys that helped lay a foundation that was a building block for what's going on now? Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, I'd be um, lying to everyone and to myself if, if we as a team and, and me personally didn't, think in some capacity that we helped lay that groundwork and yeah. helped lay that foundation. Because, I mean, although our, 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 our wins and loss columns didn't truly reflect the success they're having now, Coach Munkin has done an unreal job. Um, he's a great leader. He's a great motivator. And when you can, can sell a cause and a purpose and get guys to believe, then that changes their entire mindset. And that's what he's done. Um, but I, those wins and loss columns, if you just look back at our, at our records, and although there were some games that weren't close, but for the most part, we were competing. Yep. And, and it was one play here, one play there that kept us from turning that loss into a win. Um, and, and so, yeah, our time there saw a lot of ups and downs. Um, but, I, but I am a firm believer in, in the groundwork that we laid has led to some success that they're having now. Um, so... I wouldn't like to say that our, our time there was a total waste because, yeah, like I said, we woke up with the same mentality that they do now, expecting to win on Saturdays and expecting to win the next day and the next rep. And, yep. and like I said, we're, we we hope and we think that that mentality translated to the success, the success they're having now. Yeah, um, as we continue with Trent Steelman, former Army starting quarterback, graduated uh, with a degree in engineering 2013 from the U.S. Military Academy. And, you know, I was reading something uh, a little bit earlier um, getting ready through the interview and going back to uh, you know certainly a lot of these army navy games that come down to the very end and mm-hmm. you know the thing that you mentioned adversity you know the adversity leaving that field that last time you know playing against navy your your last collegiate game you guys are what it's under five minutes what four three minutes left I mean it's the waning moments of the football game you guys had put together a drive to go all the way down the field and we're knocking on the door down four chance to put one in the end zone and very well put Navy away uh, and in yeah. that streak but instead the you know the ball hits the ground exchange was you know a bad exchange balls on the ground Navy recovers game over you know the adversity coming off that field you know knowing that was your last game I, I'm sure it probably comes in your mind every now and then but you know how was it trying to come you know get over that kind of adversity the immediacy of hey it, this is over now I've got to turn the yeah. page to serving my country and getting ready for you know the next step of my life well that's why west point is the greatest institution on the face of the earth is Mm -hmm. because the the daily struggles you go through there are are what makes great leaders the the adversity reveals character and and when you're when you're facing adversity 
daily for four years straight, then you find out a lot about yourself and, and how well you're able to respond and how well you're able to lead yep. when things aren't going your way. Um, and so when it came down to that last game, it, it was really just, it was raw emotion. Um, yep. It was raw emotion on, on, on my end in terms of how it ended because for my teammates and I, we had invested so much for four years into that program um, with always the main mission is to win that last game and, and yep. beat Navy and for it to end in the way that it did, um, it, it was a heart, it was a heartbreaker. I mean, there's no, there's no way around it. Um, and so the reaction that you saw from myself at that game, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about it, but I mean, that was just pure raw emotion because yeah. it was love for my brothers. It, it was love for my coaches. It was love for my school. And it was a, it was love for the game, um, the game that had really set the foundation for my life and, and groomed me to be the husband now. Um, but, you know, I learned more about myself and, and, and about dealing with adversity with the last play of that game than any other situation that I've been through in my entire life. Um, because it, it it made me take ownership and made me take responsibility. Mm -hmm. Even when sometimes deep in the back of your mind, you probably know it might have not have been your fault. But when you're the leader and you're the captain of the ship and, and you're the platoon leader, everything's your fault and everything falls on you. And so that's those type of moments as a Army West Point football player. That's what grooms you to go off and, and lead the men and women that serve this country um, because they're under your leadership and they're under your guidance. And if something doesn't go the way it's planned or vice versa, if it goes the way it's planned, it, it all falls on you. Yep. All right, Trent, uh, one last question for you because I know I've overshot my landing big time here. Uh, you're, you're getting ready for a game. Uh, you guys had the week off. Uh, you guys opened at Richmond, came up short in that opener. Mm -hmm. I know it probably feels like an eternity since you guys played uh, Thursday, August the 29th, getting ready for the game Saturday uh, at Presbyterian. But you had that last Saturday off. I know you still follow the Black Knights. Uh, I, I'm not sure how often you get back up, but – what, did you get a chance to watch the game against Michigan? And what were your thoughts as this baby's coming down the stretch? Did you think, all right, we, it was Oklahoma last year. We came up short. This is our time this year. Absolutely. I mean, they, they had every chance to win that ball game. And, and what's making that program so great is that anytime they, they step on the field, no matter who they are playing, they expect to win. Yep, and that's a culture, and that's the culture you aspire to be and you aspire to breed. And I guarantee, if you went into that locker room and asked each and every guy in that locker room after that loss if they were okay with their performance, they'd say no, yep. because they expected to win that game. And although they had their opportunities and their chances, um, it's always going to come down to the turnover battle. And when you can't possess the ball or you don't have the ability to take it away, chances are you're not going to be able to, to finish a game. But um, just just the effort and the resiliency that that team showed to go up there and the biggest stage in college football and, and compete and have the opportunity to beat the number seven team in the country um, is an experience that will carry them into the next and the next and the next game and so on and so forth for the rest of the year. So you you can see that that mindset and that culture is there. Um, 
and improves when they step on the field on Saturdays. Well, Trent, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, again, I you know, apologize for kind of overshooting it a little bit as you're no coaching, getting ready for another game, but just to kind of relive and, you know, not just your playing career, but, you know, the you know what you're doing now, coaching and, you know, just uh, forging a new career and, and you know, can't wait to see just what's going to transpire for, for somebody that Appreciate works so hard. And uh, just once again, thanks for joining me here today and all our listeners here on Yards and Stripes, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me anytime. Man, what a great conversation there with Trent Steelman, the far- former Army quarterback, 2013 graduate. Again, first uh, all-time in career rushing touchdowns, first all-time in um, touchdowns, period. Uh, third all-time in career rushing yards with 3,320. You know, as he played uh, a four-year starter, think about that, a four-year starting quarterback at his service academy. It just does not happen very often as he did have the opportunity uh, to go on and, and be a member of the Baltimore more Ravens for a brief time, making that position change from quarterback to wide receiver. So just a fantastic conversation. Really enjoyed that. I hope you all did too. Trent Steelman that you can follow at Trent underscore Steelman. Now assistant coach, offensive coordinator with the Jacksonville Dolphins. All right, when we come back, we got more to do to look ahead to this coming weekend. Also, the Travis Manion Foundation honor roll. That's all coming up next here on Yards and Strikes. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy football. Here again is Price Atkinson. Let's get the weekend show started, and we're going to start out west as the Air Force Falcons are going to be traveling to Boulder, Colorado, in what will be the first meeting between Air Force and the Colorado Buffaloes, the first meeting, folks, since 1974. This game going to be a 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time kickoff, 11 a.m. locally there at Folsom Field on the CU campus. This should be a lot of fun, and I really can't wait to see. We're going to find out a lot about a lot about these two teams. Air Force obviously haven't had the week off since trouncing Colgate in the opener. And then Colorado, 2-0 and right now. They beat Colorado State handily in the opener, 52-31. to And then probably the game that really turned a lot of people's heads was last week when Nebraska was cruising in Lincoln, the Buffs rally in a old-school Big Big 12 rivalry game. The Buffaloes roar back and get a 34-30 win in overtime at Nebraska, knocking off Scott Frost's team. It was one, probably the biggest, one of the biggest meltdowns of the week last week, but give Mel Tucker's team credit as the Buffaloes came from behind her, now 2-0 and overall. Mel Tucker in his first season as the head coach of the Buffs after coming over as the University of Georgia Bulldogs defensive coordinator of the last couple seasons, but Mel Tucker's team playing very well right now and obviously getting this game at home. Steven Montez, the starting quarterback for the Buffs, Big 6'5", 230-pound senior, has been outstanding in the first two ball games. And last week in the comeback against the Huskers, uh, threw two touchdowns and an interception, but was 28-41 for 375 yards. Here's Troy Calhoun talking about the rivalry and also how big and physical he notices and sees this Buffalo team on film. Uh, They are a complete football team. Uh, you look, uh, they've been superb on defense. I think especially you look about the last 20 minutes of each game and uh, same thing offensively too. You know, very, very explosive. Oh my, what are they averaging? Like 43 points a game. 
you know, tremendous at the receiver position, but they're physical and they run the ball downhill, uh, have very good mobility with a veteran quarterback. Defensively, extremely stout up front. Um, just size that you so rarely see at any level of football, you know, whether that's college or the NFL. We're, we're a national school. Um, you know, I, it, now the, we, we've been really, really fortunate. Colorado's been great to us, uh, you know, in terms of the quality of high school football players uh, that have chosen to come to the Air Force Academy. Uh, but we won't have as many as we would certainly in other states. That's probably where we're a little bit different if they were playing, you know, Colorado State or Wyoming, quite frankly. You heard Troy Calhoun right there as the Falcons heading to Boulder, heading up north to take on the Colorado Buffaloes. Again, a 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff from Folsom Field there in Boulder, Colorado. Three-and-a-half point favorite. That game going to be broadcast live on the Pac-10 Network. Our next game on Saturday is going to be a 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff from San Antonio, Texas, as the Army Black Knights heading down to UTSA. Both teams 1-1 one one on the season. Again, a 3.30 p.m. kickoff there on the NFL Network in what will be a Military Appreciation Day uh, hosted by UTSA. The Roadrunners coming off a 63-14 drubbing at Baylor uh, last weekend after knocking off Incarnate Word 35-7 in the season opener. So UT San Antonio sitting at 1-1 one one overall as they were sliced and diced by the Baylor Bears last week as Baylor went ahead 35 to nothing and basically playing nothing but backups the entire second half. UT San Antonio coach Frank Wilson, he made some changes this past week, uh, moved some linebackers around. Uh, without a doubt, the, the strength of this UTSA defense is its front, uh, it's, it's front four. They're pretty deep across the defensive line, but this is certainly going to be an, a, a different challenge entirely uh, for, Wels, for Wilson's team facing Army in the triple option. Army heading down there to, to, to uh, UTSA. They're going to be a 17-point favorite at last check, but Army and UT San Antonio, this game again, kicking off 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the NFL Network. Finally, Saturday afternoon in Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium, a 3.30 p.m. kickoff on CBS Sportsnet. Going to be the American Athletic Conference opener for the East Carolina Pirates and the Navy Midshipmen. East Carolina coming into the football game 1-1 one one overall, while Navy had the week off last week after knocking off Holy Cross in a handily in the opener. So this the AAC opener for both teams. Again, 3.30 kickoff on CBS Sportsnet. Navy at last check a 7.5-point favorite in this game. East Carolina in the first year of the Mike Houston era, uh, they got the first win of that era last week as they knocked off Gardner-Webb, Coach Houston's former school that he spent several seasons coaching at as they beat the Bulldogs 48-9 after East Carolina opened with an in-state loss at NC State 34-6. East Carolina struggled to run the football in Houston's offense, like to have a lot of balance with a run in the past, struggled to run the football against the Wolfpack, only 41 yards on the ground, but last week they really revved up that running game with 365 yards on the ground. Here's what Coach Niamatololo, the head coach of the midshipmen, had to say about just how important this game is for both teams being the conference opener, but also getting to play this thing in Annapolis. 
this is huge for us, huge for them. You know, we obviously we're grateful to be one and all. But to start in your conference, we got to get off to a good start. We're at home, mm-hmm. you know, so our, our schedule lays out way better than last year, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we got no excuses. We've been, we're rested. Uh, we know this is a good team. You know, they had a big win last week too. And so uh, this is a big win. This is a big game for us, you know, and hopefully we come out the W, but it's going to be a hard, hard game. And got a lot of respect for Coach Houston and his staff and guys on their staff. Um, it's going to be a hard game, and we, 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 not, we recognize that. Navy head coach Ken Niamatololo, familiar with Mike Houston's offense, and certainly Houston having run that triple option or versions of it uh, at some of his former stops, including Gardner-Webb and the Citadel. Should be a fun afternoon of football there. Uh, there at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. So all three teams back in action, Air Force at Colorado, Army at UT San Antonio, and the Navy hosting East Carolina. Travis Manning Foundation is making a difference in local communities across the country. In the words that Travis Manning himself spoke before his final deployment, if not me, then who? And the Travis Manning Foundation is just working tirelessly, uh, led by so many people, including Ryan Manion, uh, the CEO and president herself. So many of her amazing team uh, that is working in local communities with, with family members, with loved ones, to empower veterans and their families of the fallen heroes to develop character in future generations of Americans. And right now, the Travis Manning Foundation has their 9-11 Heroes runs continuing this month. And if you want more information how you can find a Rucker run near you or do a virtual Rucker run, check out travismanion.org. Certainly, you can sign up right there. You can join their team. Uh, you can find out all kinds of ways to get involved with the Travis Mannion Foundation, and we cannot thank them for their support uh, of the podcast as we have now come to that point where we have our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll segment. And as you know, listening to this podcast before, and if this is your first time, uh, this is where we remember a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And this week, we're going to remember Chris Romeo Bishendot and Chris Bishendot was born in Guyana, uh, September the 14th, 1977. Uh, but he went on and he was a member of the United States Navy working in the Pentagon. And he had only been there for three months before he was tragically killed, along with so many other people, on that fateful day of t- September the 11th, 2001, as he was on board American Airlines Flight 77 that crashed into the Pentagon. We certainly know as we took that time this week to step back and remember the day that changed America forever moving forward, as Chris Romeo Bishendot was a member of American Airlines Flight 77 that crashed into the Pentagon, a very building where he worked. But he grew up in in Charles County, was the oldest of three children, spent six years in the Navy, had been taking classes locally at the University of Maryland College Park while working as a systems technician. And Chris Bishendot reported, um, you know, to duty aboard the USS Yorktown in 1997. And he quickly uh, transferred to the USS Shreveport, uh, where Lieutenant Mike Coleman, then his division officer, said, quote, he quickly established himself as one of the finest sailors to ever walk the decks of the Super Gator, 
end quote. And according to those around him and family, you know, while aboard the USS Shreveport, he became the icon of education and training as he spent countless hours in providing computer accessibility, distance learning, and operating as the ship's webmaster. And he then, as we mentioned, just went on uh, to work uh, in the chief of Naval Operations Telecommunications Center uh, at the Pentagon uh, as part of the Naval Computer and Telecommunications uh, station uh, that he quickly qualified in three different watch stations and was well on his way to success. Uh, but he was later awarded uh, the Purple Heart, the Navy Commendation Medal, and the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal, along with the Navy Unit Commendation, National Defense Service Medal, and mo many other awards uh, after his death. And he is survived by his mother and his father, uh, as well as his sisters. Uh, and, you know, Chris Romeo Bishendot, uh, like so many other Americans that day, um, family, friends, and loved ones, our, our, our lives changed uh, directly, indirectly on that tragic day uh, when those two planes hit the Twin Towers. Uh, one Another plane obviously went down in Pennsylvania, and the other one, they crashed into the Pentagon. And so we take the time to remember uh, Chris Romeo Bishendot this week, uh, but also so many other Americans that gave their life, that lost their life, uh, that so many people um, on that fateful day uh, in Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C., and New York City, uh, that we take this time to remember our fallen heroes because while they may be fallen, they are certainly never forgotten in our hearts. And so thank you to the family of Chris Romeo Bishendot and certainly himself who gave his life to the U.S. Navy uh, who tragically passed on September the 11th, 2001. Travis Mannion Foundation unites communities to strengthen America's national character by empowering veterans and families of fallen heroes to develop and lead future generations. Through their 9-11 Heroes Run 5K race series, TMF unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Register to run, walk, or ruck at a race near you or as a virtual runner by visiting 911heroesrun.org. All right, that's it for this episode of Yards and Stripes, episode number five. Again, thanks for tuning in to us every single week and appreciate everybody downloading, subscribing. And, you know, as I mentioned, I, I beg, I plead sometimes, but I hope you'll give us a review uh, on Apple Podcast. Uh, we'll take five, four, three, whatever, how many stars you want to give us. Uh, appreciate your feedback. It's real easy uh, just to give us a rating right there. And it helps other people, college football fans in general, whether you are an Army, Navy, or football fan, it makes it easier for everybody to find us. And uh, it's it certainly the feedback it gives me on what you like, what you don't like. Um, it's simply not about back patting myself. It's about uh, trying to grow this thing and trying to grow it to, to develop a bigger audience because if you guys enjoy what we do, I hope we'll find others uh, that will do the same. So uh, it's all about you guys, our listeners, and just cannot thank everybody enough. And, and some of the, the words I get uh, you know, via social media, which you can follow us at Yards and Stripes on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, you know, again, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, many, many different ways uh, to listen to the podcast every single week. I just want to thank uh, Trent Steelman, our featured guest interview this week. Really enjoyed that conversation with the form, former four-year starting quarterback for the Army Black Knights, now with the Jacksonville Dolphins as the offensive coordinator as they play out of the Pioneer Football League. But we're back in action this weekend. All three teams are 
back on the field. I can't wait to see what the weekend has. I hope all three games bring us some kind of excitement that we all watched and felt as we were watching uh, Army take Michigan to the wire. Unfortunately, we came up just a little short, uh, but it was just what a thriller captivated the nation as everybody is that game at noon that kicked off at noon Eastern Standard Time. People were dialed in no matter where you were, what you were doing. Uh, You're a college football fan. You saw that upset brewing. So I hope we get some more excitement, much the same this weekend. But once again, I'm your host, Price Atkinson. Thank you to everybody again for listening, subscribing. We will do this again next week. Episode 6 coming up next week. Appreciate everybody bearing with me with these technical difficulties I had this week. But we are back up and running, and we are good to go. And we will talk to you again next week. Stay safe out there. To get more on all things Service Academy football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And as always, you can subscribe to Yards and Stripes on iTunes and Stitcher. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy football.